This is the Doctor. President-elect of the High Council of Time Lords. I am definitely a madman with a box. Anyone for Jimmy, baby? I'm the Doctor. I'm 904 years old. I'm from the planet Gallifrey and the constellation of Castabras. Hey, you fans, and welcome to the Big Blue Box Podcast. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And we're at episode 74. 74. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> we looked Love at each other then. There. Adam looked at me then like, what are you waiting for, Gary? <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to phase it out <laughs> slowly, but you... Yeah, you got me. Oh, okay. Yeah, I got you. Phasing out. Here we are coming at you from somewhere in time and space. There's ah, something we haven't said for a while. A long time, yeah. Is that right? Is that what we say? Coming from, yeah, I think it was, yeah. Coming at you from somewhere in, in time and space. Space and time. Space whichever. and time, whichever. Yeah. Whichever whichever suits, really. Whichever floats your boat. Whichever floats your boat. Yeah. So, who fans? Hope you've had a cracking week. And uh, we're looking forward to going through some who knows with you. And then on to our uh, review of um, The Brain of Morbius. Def, 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 def. Sacred flame, sacred everything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that's going to be a good one. Looking forward to that, mate. What yeah, have you too. been up to? What have I been up to? I have been... Well, I polished off the old River Song box set, which I actually quite enjoyed in the end. Did you get yeah. into it in the end? Because you said the first half mm. wasn't was really... Bit, mm. Yeah. Yeah, no, I did. Overall, I, I quite enjoyed it. Yeah, I don't. Um, I think the thing is, because it came, I listened to it straight after the War Doctor, which was so good. Um, it kind of fell a bit flat, I think, right. for me to begin right. with. But no, I, I actually really enjoyed it in the end. Overall, yeah, because McGann comes into it um, finally, and uh, he, you know, I just love McGann. So yeah, no, I enjoyed it in the end. So I'm glad that I went through with that, and I listened to the extras, and they were all very good. Um, what else have I been up to? Oh, I've been chasing up our old friends, Forbidden Planet, for deliveries that have been. <laughs> Waiting to be dispatched for about two and a half weeks now. There's uh, a shock. There's a shocker. There's a shocker. Yep. Yeah, so that's been my week, really. Just listening to audios, uh, firing off emails. Um, I haven't watched any horror channels this week, which uh, I normally you know, drift over to that one. Um, what else okay. have I been doing? Oh, I watched the NTAs last night, National Television Awards. Yeah, me too. Hmm. Hmm. Disappointing, wasn't it? Obviously, we watched to see Doctor Who triumph, but that yeah. blimmin' downtown Abbey. Yes, I was watching... Um I was uh, in and out of um, uh, various social platforms last night throughout the NTAs, and uh, yeah. on Snapchat, the Who Addicts guys were were not <laughs> pleased at all. No, no. Some of the results of their reactions were very funny, and uh, yeah, so um, yeah, it's uh, mm, that bloody Downton. Downton. You just can't. It's it's, it's finished though, though, isn't it? Is Downton finished completely? Yeah, I think I hope so. I expect they'll bring it back at some point for a special. They're bound to, but yeah. yeah, supposedly it's done for good. I must admit, I'm not. I've never really got into downtown. I've never watched it, so I can't really comment. I know there are people out there that love it, um, but yeah, obviously we wanted Doctor Who to win. Um, there was no sign of Capaldi in the audience, was there? We had Stephen Moffat, and they they caught him really badly with the camera, didn't they? He looked so miserable when they sort of <laughs> zoomed in on him, and I don't know if it was just bad timing or if he was. 
generally just miserable. But yeah, there was a quick shot of him in the audience. He just looked gr- grumpy as hell. Yeah, it's and that was before yeah. they announced the result. <laughs> he does. He does look like that sometimes, though, doesn't he? Mm. There yeah, are he does, yeah. th- there are times where when we've seen him on TV before and he's not looking at the camera. I think they've just filmed him, you know, in attendance somewhere, mm. and um, he has got one of those faces where he looks like he's thinking really hard about something yes, or he's yeah. genuinely got the hump about something. many things i don't know <laughs> yeah i'll tell you what actually talking to getting the hump i did get the hump with it because um i thought the clip they chose to show for doctor who was, oh. was really rubbish because clearly they just picked that clip because it Maisie williams was in it and she was in the audience at the ntas and um yeah obviously yeah. like she was presenting the award but i was thinking like because because it was the drama category and they showed sort of really intense, really well-acted clips from all the other shows, like Broadchurch and all that, you know, really sort of put it across as, all, you know, that looks quite good. And then got to Doctor Who, and it was this clip of them from The Woman Who Lived, wasn't it, of them sort of yeah. pratt-falling, and it was a yeah. really silly, jokey clip. And I was thinking, oh, that seems really out of place with the rest of them. You know, they could have showed a clip from the Zygon speech or, you know, Face the Raven or something really good. But no, they chose that stupid, you know clip of them falling around and i was like i was a bit annoyed by that but it was clearly just because Maisie williams was in it wasn't it like oh yeah yeah you know and it's it's a i think it's a bit of a tough one as well you know because it does seem a little bit out of place in the in just the the drama category mm. because when you compare it to things like Broadchurch and downton abbey they're like um they're like in my mind they're like true drama yeah you know whereas doctor who is you know, it's has moments of being really, really funny. So it's very comedic at times. And it's also, mm. you know, it's very, obviously very sci-fi and all that sort of stuff. So in my opinion, it doesn't really fit into the... I mean, if they had a, a category like best drama moment or best drama scene or something like that, then they could probably yeah. pull out, you know, a few really good bits from who, like the speech in the Zygon two-parter and that kind of thing. Mm. Um but I think Doctor Who's got other elements in it that muddy the water a little bit. It doesn't really suit just being in a true drama, but they haven't got a category for like sci-fi or any of that stuff. So it's no, I hear I'm, I'm not. I'm not making an excuse. It's not like um, you know, it's not like uh, it should have its own category to win, sort of thing. It's just more mm. like it's more that they haven't really got a, a, a category. To, it's a lot like when um, people confuse horror and sci-fi. So yeah. on. Anyone that's got Sky TV, the channel, the movie channel um, that caters for both is is horror. It's, it's, it's horror stroke sci-fi, which is weird because they're very they're two very different things. And I, it does my it really burns the bacon <laughs> when people confuse sci-fi and horror. And it's the same thing with the TV stuff. Really, there isn't really an, a category that's properly suited to it. So I know what you mean. You can't really pigeonhole it. It's, yeah. it's entertainment. Yeah, like you said, it can be dark, it can be silly, it can be fun. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So. But uh, so I'll tell you what you're saying about the social media side of it though. It's one of the things I love when watching these type of programs is just <laughs> seeing people's reaction on Twitter because it was so funny um at the end of it when the EastEnders cast were kind of thrown off stage because they were taking so long. Well, actually, I think it's just because they'd run out of time, aren't they? They yeah. more or less just threw them off the stage. And um, uh, Kelly Bright, one of the actresses in it, was 
her face like the people were putting on twitter like a screenshot yeah. of her furious yeah. face and um you know i just love following social media through these type of things and obviously loads of people were kicking off about doctor who surprisingly a lot of the things i saw on twitter were people saying you know they weren't surprised it was almost as if us who fans weren't really expecting it to win but i think that's because a lot of people thought Broadchurch was going to take it i think yeah from what i can tell from what i saw on on twitter yes i thought Broadchurch was going to take it Mm. Um, because it was always reviewed really well at the time when it was on you know it was always you know how good Tennant was and and the actual writing and stuff is all that stuff but you know Downton's got so many so many viewers and yeah it's just ridiculous but um, they had a best uh, they had a breast best crying category a a breast a breast crying crying category (laughs) Uh, Olivia Coleman would win it Oh, of course, yeah. That's the best yep. TV crying I've ever seen. She cried a lot in the second <laughs> season of se- second series, sorry, of Broadchurch. Yeah. She cried a lot. Yeah. Um, and Ant and so, Deck picked up. What they picked up the best TV presenter award? Was it for the fifteenth year, the fifteenth oh, time like in a row? Yeah, yeah. Those guys are on fire. They, they are. I must admit, though, that I don't begrudge it because actually, they, for you know, they do what they do quite well, don't they? Yeah. I just think they are just. And you know they are just what they are. Yeah. So yeah, but they I think they have won it a fair few years running now. Yeah, and um, and fair play to Billy Connolly as well, the special yes. recognition award. That was a that was a that was a highlight. That's probably the best bit of the show, I would say. Mm-hmm. Him getting it that was. award. Yeah. Yeah, Dustin Hoffman presenting it and stuff. Yeah, that was a that was a nice moment. Yeah. Yeah. What they call him the Big Yin? Is it the Big Yin? The Big Yin. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's cool. Oh, Billy yeah. Connolly should have done the voice of Shrek really. Yes, I always think that's weird, actually, that they yeah. got Mike Myers to do that and then yeah. do it in the Scottish accent. So it's like, yeah, yeah. as we've got someone Scottish. Yeah, because he's a com- he's a com- comedy comedic actor. Is he Canadian or American? I can't remember, but he's not Scott. Well, actually, I think his parents might be Scottish. To be fair, something like that. Yeah, well, who? Um, Mike Myers. Yeah, I think he's British. I think Is he, he was born and raised in England for a while and then buggered off to the US. Yeah. Oh, I see. Because he was on a. He starred in a TV program that was on ITV or BBC when he was like 19 or something like that, 18 or 19. Oh, right. Something so one like of those that. shows they dig out to embarrass them on like yeah. chat shows and things. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So the NTAs uh, didn't come up trumps for old who, but no. um, not really that bothered. I'll be yeah. honest with you. Not really that fussed about it, but it would have been nice. But there we go. Would have been nice. So, yeah. what what have you been up to this week, my friend? Apart from watching the NCAs, apart from watching NCAs, not a lot to be honest with you. I've been really, I've been away with work a couple of times. I've been really busy, um, which reminds me actually, I do need to apologise to you guys because I did say that uh, I would get the the extra wallpaper done of the War Doctor. Oh yeah, yeah. and I've been a bit slack. I'm really sorry. Um, I've just been totally busy. So when it comes round, uh, I, I normally do these things in the evening and. Um, I've just been really busy, so I just haven't had the time. So I will absolutely, definitely endeavour to try and get it out to you um, by the next podcast. So uh, at some point in the next few days, hopefully. I'm going to try and do it later tonight. We're recording this on Thursday, the 21st, and uh, I will try and get it done this evening or by the weekend. So uh, it will be on its way soon. Sometimes work and life just gets in the way of fun things, doesn't it? It does, mate, yeah. Um, I have to say, I did love your first Doctor happy birthday thing that the 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 poster sort of that oh, you did yeah. for that was really yeah. cool because i um yeah i mean i'm not very 
good with technical stuff so i kind of just went on to movie maker got an old photo and wrote happy birthday over it and it looked really <laughs> paled in comparison to your brilliant oh, okay um no i really did like it though that was that was really nice yeah. oh cool yeah it's um yeah i got a message from um uh, uh a guy called lee binding as well um oh, okay. for those of you who don't know lee binding is the guy that did all of the artwork for the posters for each episode for series um seven um you know like those movie style posters the matt smith ones and stuff and uh he said um that that uh, piece i did was really good and he said it was uh very very cool oh that's nice that's a nice acknowledgement yeah i thought the name rang a bell yeah yeah so that was really cool of him um and uh yeah i'm gonna do some more of those i was hoping to do um one for each doctor but i've just haven't had the time so i'll probably do the tom baker one very soon and there's another there's another birthday, another Who birthday coming up at some point soon. Another actor. It's, um, is it Paul McGann? Is it? Somebody coming up soon. So, um, yeah, we do have to say happy birthday, actually, to Tom Baker, don't we? Yes, we do. Would have been, well, yesterday, but when you're hearing this, probably a couple of days ago. So it was on Wednesday, wasn't it, his, his actual birthday? Yes, I believe. 82 Earth years old. 82, yes. Yeah. I watched his little video this morning. Have you seen it? On his Facebook page. Yeah. He posted yeah. a little video where he's, he's he's sort of, he's laughing a lot, isn't he? And um, yeah. he's just saying he's going to have a break from doing autographs because you can send stuff in and get it, get him to sign it, um, you know, to yeah. him. Um, so he's just going to take a break over his sort of uh, next couple of months. But really nice little video, isn't it? He just, just, is bonkers as ever and yeah he never changes so, does he no he's, yeah. just love tom yeah he's awesome yeah um sorry it was not paul mcgann's birthday coming up very sorry it's john hurt oh john hurt um today actually if you're listening to this it's friday the 22nd oh. it's today so um yeah happy birthday john hurt as well the war doctor the war doctor I wonder yes. if big finish would do any special offer mind you they've only got the one of him out so far haven't they yeah oh, that's a good that reminds me something else i've done also mm. um is uh I picked up because for Tom Baker's birthday they did a load of offers on on stuff. Mm. And I picked up the interview that Nick Briggs did with Tom Baker that I think I think you must I think you got it when it first came out. It's the yes. just a two hour interview. I think it's just called Tom Baker at eighty. Yeah. Or something when he was yeah. And um, that was only a fiver yesterday. Absolute bargain. So That's such a good disc. Yeah. So immediately picked that up. Oh, it's a good buy, mate. You're, yeah. It's really, really good. Yeah, can't recommend that enough. It's strange, actually, because when you listen to Tom on that, he's he's so mellow now mm. compared to, uh, um, you know, there's a, there's an interview floating around on YouTube. I don't know if you've seen it. I think it's called just like an, an evening with or something. Somebody just invited Tom Baker to come and sit in their front room. <laughs> and I mean, Tom, I don't think anyone gets a word in, but it, Tom's just so fascinating to listen to. And he does just sit there for, I think it's like an hour and a half, just telling story after story. And he's so funny, but his language is really fruity in it. And he's, he's got <laughs> sort of, um, he's got a bit more of a, I wouldn't say aggressive side, but like a bit more of a kick to him. Right. Whereas when you listen to him now, he's so mellow and he's sort of, he's become a bit of a sort of charming, crazy old gent, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, yeah. but that's a great. Yeah, I'm glad you've got that. I think you'll really enjoy it. It's a really good one. Sure. Yeah, he gets on well with old Briggsy as well. They've obviously got quite a good little rapport between the two of them. Yeah. So happy birthday, fourth Doctor, Mister Baker. Mister Baker. Yeah. I am slightly disappointed you're not rocking. See, I've got my Tom Baker scarf on for the benefit of the listeners because we were 
because we're doing a Tom Baker classic today. And I thought, well, Gary's just bought that giant Tom Baker <laughs> scarf. He's bound to have it on, <laughs> so, but he hasn't. No, it's too it's too warm in here for me, mate. It's, it's um the weather's been like really bitingly cold the last couple of days, and um so I'm I'm rocking the the central heating for for a while. To be fair, the one you've got is so much thicker and, and longer than the mine because yours is the yep. proper screen accurate one whereas mine's the first edition that they did which is actually pretty weak compared to yours <laughs> so yeah, i just yeah. i'd be i'd be sweating buckets after a few minutes wearing that yeah. um but yes it's uh it's oh god i'm so happy i bought that scarf now it it's good. just so nice um anyways otherwise nothing else really that i've been doing um haven't watched any more classic who's other than the brain of morbius again i watched that i think i watched it last week as well mm. um and it is a coincidence as well that we're doing that uh, uh tom baker story in his birthday week that's another little cool coincidence yeah it is yeah um so yeah that that's me oh i thought um also um thank you to a a, a bunch of twitter peeps who have been recommending some pop funko sites to pre-order some stuff because I've been, as you guys know, I've been chasing down the um, the tenth Doctor regeneration pop Funko. You know the one I mean. That's um, he's in the, the the Eccleston clothing. Yes, and um, been looking around for it, and somebody popped up on Twitter and said, "Well, it's not out yet." <laughs> so that's why I haven't been able to find it. because oh. I thought it's I thought it'd been out already, but it was just a bit scarce. Um, so thank you to Bill Lane. Uh, his Twitter name is at Cyberman Bill. Mm. He said, it's not out yet, but you can pre-order it. It's a GameStop exclusive, isn't it, in the US? That's right, uh, yeah. And uh, he gave uh, a link to a site, which is cool. Um, so, yeah, still still on the lookout for that when it finally gets released. Didn't, because um, one of our other listeners, Sammy Satine, was it Sammy Satine? Sammy on Facebook. She yeah. sent us a link yeah. to some a site as well, didn't she? With can't remember if that was one of them or not. I think it was. I'm not sure, but K9 was on there, and that's right. But it was a was it an Australian website? It yeah. was, yeah. And incidentally, yeah. um, uh, Bill, uh, who sent me this link, um, called popculture.com. Uh, culture spelt C-U-L-T-C-H-A. So oh, cult- yes. culture. Um, that's an Australian website. Yeah, pop culture. I've yeah. I've heard of them. Hmm. Yeah, um, but Bill's in the US, oh, so right. it's uh, we're 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 timey wimey, uh, globally globally, <laughs> all over the the place at the minute. Um, and actually, uh, Bill did in, did say to us actually um, that we should nip over to um, the Gallifrey One convention at some point in the oh, US. That'd be awesome, wouldn't it? I'd love to do that. And we have mentioned we not on the podcast, but we have. We have briefly spoken about it. Um, yes, so money and time permitting, one year, we we might do that. I, I would love to do it. I think it would be Maybe. fantastic. I did slyly slip it into conversation with my other half the other day. Because, um, oh. uh, yeah, we'd been talking about it off, off um, before our last recording, hadn't we? And I was sort yeah. of... Yeah, so it was in the back of my mind. And somehow we got on to holidays and trips, and I was saying, yeah, that's... Uh, yeah, well, mind going to New York and having a look at all that, and uh, oh, maybe if there's a convention on, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, it would yeah. be good. But no, I'd I'd love to I'd love to do a US convention. They seem really big. Yeah, um, yeah. there's been a lot of photos of um, now who is it? Peter Davison, 
Jenna Coleman and Billy Piper. Have you seen these floating around on Twitter? The three of them, have, obviously there's been some convention going on because I've seen people having pictures with the three of them and stuff. Oh, okay, right. I don't know what convention it is, but I was thinking, you know, they always get like a lot of good guests over in the States. All the, uh, yeah. all the new series people tend to go there. So one day, one day, might make it over there would be good. Yes. One day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. So we might do that one day. Yeah. Yes, maybe. Uh, Rightio, shall we shall we land it and do the news? Because I think we've waffled for more than more than is necessary. Land this baby. Let's land it and we'll crack on. First up, uh, we have actually Doctor Who did win an award recently. It wasn't oh. an NTA. <laughs> uh, it's something a lot more prestigious. Oh, yeah. And a lot more sort of uh, looked upon as a, a sign of quality and, and all that stuff. Um, yes. Website Rotten Tomatoes. Rotten Tomatoes? The review website Rotten Tomatoes. You must have heard mm. of it. I have, yeah. yeah. Um, they've awarded um, Series 9... The Golden Tomato Award. <laughs> yes, and it's awarded to the series with the highest ratings based on reviews submitted to the site. Now, um, just to clarify, this is a good thing, isn't it? Because I would associate Rotten Tomatoes with being... <laughs> it, <laughs> but it's a good thing. I assume a Gold Tomato is doubly yes, good. Yeah, so Rotten Tomatoes is an often sort of unofficial review guide to go upon. So, you know, you get like the usual... Um, uh, critic sites and magazines like Empire Magazine and some other um, websites um, that they have like these proper critics that mm. will go and view stuff and give their um, somewhat questionable professional opinion on on stuff. Whereas Rotten Tomatoes, everything is just the public. So right, everybody right. just chirps up with, you know, their honest reviews on stuff. And yeah, so apparently Series 9... Um, received an average rating of 4.5 out of 5 Ooh, um, and received um, the very rare uh, 100% positive rating from um, from the approved critics through Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. So Series 9 had a belter over there, so a Golden Tomato Award. There you go, Stephen Moffat, you see? Um, yeah. That surely will put a smile on his face. I hope they've got a big Gold Tomato Award, have they? Um, well, I'm not sure how. I, I think it's... I'm not sure if anyone goes anywhere to collect this golden tomato or if it's ah. a virtual one, I'm not sure. But it did beat Game of Thrones Season 5, which is quite an achievement, seeing as that's like um, the, well, apparently the best programme on TV ever, as it's been reviewed recently. But uh, hmm. yes, so yeah, good stuff. That's excellent. Oh, that's good, good to know. Yep. Okay, uh, talking of awards, actually, our next bit of news um, is another award. This time it's been presented to former Doctor Who lead writer and executive producer, Russell T. Davis. He's Yay. been presented with an Outstanding Contribution to Writing Award. Uh, and this was at the um, Guild of Great British Awards uh, that was held uh, on the 18th, so a couple of days back, 18th of Jan. The Writers um, Guild, yeah. Writers Guild. So, I mean, yep. that's, I mean that is quite a prestigious award isn't it that is quite a good one to get i should think russell's pretty pleased with that yeah in all seriousness that one is a 
that is quite um, an achievement that one because that's yeah. um that's something that's decided upon and awarded by other writers so his peers and and you know people that it's not like the general public like oh my god i can't believe he wrote that <laughs> this is um this is like actual people who do this for a living and you know they all decide and stuff so it must be cool to have it you know an award presented by you know other people who not you're not necessarily in competition with but other people that you're you know that have seen your work and can view it and comment on it from a professional level you yeah. know it's a bit it's a bit like um I'm not really sure. It's a, it's a bit like, do, you know, doing something and having it judged by the general public who don't know the technical stuff. So it's a bit like, you know, a director of one of the Doctor Who programs. A bit, it's a bit like a director putting a, a Doctor Who episode out there. And it's one thing to have it judged and commented in on and reviewed by the public. Mm. But it's another thing to have it reviewed and, you know, and awarded by other directors. So they would know things that we wouldn't know. So they would know things like how they put a certain scene together and how this was shot and how that was done. So it's the same thing really with the writer stuff, you know, all these guys, they all know the tricks of the trade and how you kind mm. of, you know, earn your craft as a writer and stuff. So they know all that stuff that we don't necessarily pick up on as viewers. Yeah. So, so it must be very cool for him to, to get that. And apparently he was very, very, very pleased to get that. Yeah, no, I, I, I hear you. It's a, it's a good, yeah, I should think he was. And I have to say, I mean, I know, you know, there are bits of Russell's tenure on Doctor Who that perhaps might come in for a bit of flack. But when you look at the amount of stuff this guy has written mm -hmm. um, and, and and sort of overseen and everything, I mean, it is, it is deserved, isn't it? I mean, you know, oh, Torchwood, yeah, yeah. Uh, Sarah Jane Adventures, Cucumber, Queer as Folk, Wizards of the Night versus Aliens. You know, he's, he's got a good back catalogue there. Um, yeah. Like I say, there may be bits that you think are better than others. But, um, yeah, I think Russell's a a pretty decent writer i'd mm. love him to come back and just write the odd episode for who you know um i think he'd be a bit like moffat was when he was in charge of who i think he'd be good if he just sort of did the odd one now and again i would love that i think yeah. we all would love that wouldn't we yeah i think there are some there are some who uh who viewers that would be like no no really wasn't yeah. a fan of his stuff but i in a lot of respects i actually really like the the rtd era and i and i think most of me prefers it to the Moffat era. era. Yeah, certainly as we revisit episodes, yeah. those sort of ones that I think perhaps uh, you know weren't as good on a revisit. I am. Yeah, there's a real, there's a real sort of. Um, it's got a different feel to it. Definitely got a yep. different feel to it. So, so well done, Russell, on your award. We know you listen. We know you're listening. Yeah. So well done, yeah. Birdie. Um, lastly, in the news, um, it is some sad news, um, but we do oh. need to recognise this guy for a very important. Uh, reason so um robert Banks stewart um has passed away at the age of 84 yeah and uh you might not recognize the name straight off the bat but uh this guy is responsible for um creating one of the um one of the best doctor who monsters that stand that stood the the test of time really mm. um so he came up with um the story uh terror of the zygons back in 1975 yeah. So it was out of his brain that the Zygons were born. And uh, other than like the main monsters like Daleks and Cybermen and whatnot, um, the Zygons have actually made a successful comeback in, in newer Doctor Who. Yeah. Um, featuring in the, the Day of the Doctor and more recently the, the amazing two-parter from Series 9. Um, 
so yeah, and he's also um, he also went on to write um, the Seeds of Doom, mm. and invented the crinoid. Seeds of Doom is, I mean, I, Terra's Icons is one of my favourites, but Seeds of yeah. Doom, I think, is one of my, I sometimes tout it as being one of my all-time favourites, actually. Yeah, um, it's, yeah it's, it's just it's just brilliant, it, absolutely brilliant. It is amazing, yeah. Love the Seeds of Doom. And, um, yeah, so this guy's responsible for a couple of one, well, two of two of the best classic coup stories. Mm. Um, really, really good. And he's, he, he had a cracking career as well. He had... Um, he wrote loads back in the 60s and 70s and stuff. He wrote yeah. um, scripts for The Sweeney, the original Avengers, uh, Danger Man, um, loads of things. And, uh, yeah, so it's a shame uh, he's passed away, but um, really, really good memories of his uh, work that he did for Classic Who. So. Yeah, I've got to say, he left, left behind two absolute gems there, didn't he? And I'm also a big fan of the Sweeney, so, yeah, yeah I love that he was, in fact, <laughs> he's involved in that. I was thinking, you know, it's really strange that the Zygons only made that one appearance in mm. the classic series, isn't it, when you think back? I'm really surprised they didn't... I don't know, I can imagine them sort of working quite well with Colin Baker's Doctor, actually. That would have been great to send the Sixth Doctor with the Zygons. Mm. But, uh, yeah. but yeah, it's, yeah, some great stuff there. So sad news. Sad news, but uh, good good celebration of his work, though, that the Zygons Absolutely. are still around. So yeah, some cracking stuff. Uh, right, that's going to wrap for news. Uh, rightio, Adam. Uh, Adam. Mm. You condo say <laughs> what, what we with you this week. Condo. <laughs> Set the TARDIS controls for Khan because we are reviewing the brain of Morbius. The Time Lords destroyed Morbius for his crimes here on Khan. There's something going on here, some dirty work. The Time Lords are spineless parasites. Morbius offered them greatness once, but he was betrayed and rejected. They'll pay for that mistake, Kondo. When it is learned that I, Morbius, have returned from the grave, my followers will rise in their millions. Morbius is dead, Doctor. And you will join him very shortly. Oh, thank you, Matron. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this week, it's back to uh, Tom Baker era and mm. the brain of Morbius. So back in 76. 76, eh? Yes. Uh, written by, uh, quote-unquote, Robin Bland. Who's this Robin Bland then? Who is this guy? Hey, eh? <laughs> who is it? Um, so Terence Dix originally, yeah, um, and then uh, a couple of rewrites by Robert Holmes, mm. um, and uh, directed by Christopher Barry, uh, not the Chris Barry that we know of, but a different Christopher Barry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and this is a four part. Uh, I think it's four part, isn't it? Twenty five minutes each. It is. Or so? is yep. Yeah. And, party, yeah. and uh, it's the Doctor and Sarah Jane. Yes, you, classic team. Yes, for those of you who don't know. Story is um, uh, the character Morbius um, was a, uh, a renegade Time Lord, I guess. Mm -hmm. Turned on the Time Lords. Um, but was, um, I'm not sure I, if I remember correctly, he was supposedly killed. He was, he was 
tracked down and supposedly thought killed. Dead. Yeah, thought dead, but his brain survived somehow <laughs> um, and ended up in the care of the uh, crazy uh, scientist guy, Solon, um, who was one of the followers of the cult of Morbius um, and has ambitions to rebuild him into a new body. Um, along the way, he captures like various other beings who have crash landed on the planet Khan, where the story is set, um, and has waited around for a very long time for a, a humanoid figure so he can complete the last bit of the puzzle, which is the head, to mm. put the brain in. Um, also thrown in the mix um, is the Sisterhood of Khan, um, obviously, being on Khan. Um, and they're very paranoid about the Time Lords in general because they think that they're there to capture the last bit of the elixir of life which is uh, seemingly running out at the moment as is the sacred flame blah 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 sacred flame yes and it's a to and throw really it's a it's a cat and mouse game between who's going to kill the doctor first or it's going to be the sisterhood of khan or is it going to be morbius to grab his head yeah. um so that's pretty much it yeah and um i don't think we need to beat around the bush too much on this because i think people know our thoughts because we've spoken about it before um this is a cracker of a story absolutely yeah i love this one this is um this is classic who at its best i would say yeah um it's got everything in there that just makes it such a joy to watch the the cast is like tom baker's on top form Mm -hmm. absolutely brilliant sarah jane's even good in this one um the character Stalin, not Stalin, sorry, Solon. Solon. Um, uh, Philip Philip Maddock um, is brilliant. Um, Kondo is really good, even as the bumbling Igor type assistant. Um, Sisterhood of Khan are pretty good, actually. Yes, yes, they are. Yeah. Um, so the supporting like, cast, like Marin. Marin, yeah. So the cast is brilliant. The story is um, the story is like. Um, it kind of leans on like the old Hammer Horror Frankenstein-esque kind of Very much so. vibe. So that's really, really cool. Um, wobbly sets, crappy sets, um, crappy creature effects and costume. <laughs> it's all just fantastic. It is. It's it brilliant. Is. Yeah, it all comes together. Yeah. I always wondered why Terence Dix took his name off of it because it is such a... I, well, in my, in my opinion and in yours by the sounds of it, it's such a good... Um, story. So I yeah. always wondered, well, why did Terence not want credit for it? But I watched the extras yesterday, and it became quite clear. It was nothing to do with the quality of the writing. Right. It was more the fact that he went on holiday, um, and Philip, Chim- <laughs> Philip Hinchcliffe went off the I- original idea that he'd got that it was going to be a robot that was okay. building a human. So Solon would have been a robot, um, and Hinchcliffe decided that that they couldn't do that properly. It was going to look terrible. But because Terence Dix was on holiday and didn't want to be bothered, hadn't left any no phone number or anything, uh, Robert Holmes came in to make a few adjustments to the script. Ah, right. And when Terence Dix came back, uh, Terence said he, he went mad because it was, you know, totally changed and the robot had gone and had been replaced by a mad scientist. And basically <laughs> Terence said, well, this isn't my story anymore. So, yeah, so he was a little bit annoyed at the time. He says now it doesn't, you know, now it doesn't bother him. But he was quite annoyed at the time. So he just said to Robert Holmes, take my name off it and put it under some blander pseudonym. So he Ooh, said he okay. actually did laugh laugh quite a lot when he actually saw it on screen for the first time, going out under the name Robin Bland, because he <laughs> said it was just because literally Robert Holmes took it under... No, so Robin Bland, isn't it? Yeah. 
so that's why. So yeah, I'm glad it was. I'm glad that he wasn't because he didn't think it was good. Because I, I think it's a cracker. Yes, absolutely, mate. It's um, it's just so good to watch, and it's also one of those episodes where, um, once you've finished, um, one of the episodes, whichever one it is, you have to watch the next one. Mm. It's it's a killer. I know you did this, mate. In the week, you watched the first two episodes, one day or one evening. Yeah, and I think then you watched the other two the following day or something. How did you know that? Because you told me. Did I? You oh, told right. me. Yeah. Oh yes, I did. I thought I was, <laughs> I'm I thought not stalking you, mate. A, no, I thought I'd left Skype on or something, and you just <laughs> casually walking by. Oh, he's watching the other two. Yeah, because I do sometimes watch them all in one go. But this week I had to watch two and then two. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm not sitting outside your window peering mm. through seeing what you're watching um but yeah that must that would have killed me because on some classic who i can do that i can watch a couple leave it for a while and stuff but for some reason this one i cannot leave it i have to watch them um i have to watch them all the way through and there's a few there's a few classic who's that are like that yeah and this is definitely one of them so that i don't know how you did that i don't know how you watched the first two and then left <laughs> it because uh then they're pretty good little cliffhangers as well they are, yeah. They're not a mate. They're not like big epic moments, but they are. Um, they are pretty good. Like, um, just uh, I think one of them, Sarah Jane's, just about to be captured by, by the, the monster thing, the giant claw, the giant crab claw thing, mm. um, which is really good because she plays. We'll come onto it a bit later, but she plays that the blind thing quite well. I thought, yeah. Um, so that's a good cliffhanger. She can't see anything. And this creature's just about to, you know, to to capture her and do whatever. And then it just cuts and it's like, ah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Cliffhanger's pretty good. Um, what did you think, um, before we get on to, like, the details of, like, cast and stuff, what did you think to, like, the overall just feeling of this story and the vibe and the pacing and stuff? I think the pacing's really good. Mm. I think it, it moves along really well. It's, um, yeah, it's got a good, dark, I mean, it's all, the whole thing's studio-bound, isn't it? And um, yeah. You know, I think, yeah, you've got to sort of overlook that a little bit because I do remember the first time I watched it thinking, because it starts with that set and it's mm -hmm. very, very clearly a set. I mean, it's um, <laughs> it's almost a bit two-dimensional, isn't it? Um, yeah. But yeah, I think it's got a great atmosphere to it, let's put it that way, even if the sets and that are a bit basic and, you know, I mean, they've turned the lights down so it's quite dark. But yeah, I think it's got a really good atmosphere to it. One thing I did note at the start is... Um, doesn't the TARDIS prop look battered to hell? It does. It looks yeah. absolutely, well, it just looks like it's been through the wars. Um, I did look in the production notes and it said it, it says in the production notes on this that that's the original TARDIS prop. Right. Um, obviously, right. they've altered a few little bits on it over the years, but I can't believe they were still using the, the original prop, which might explain why it looks so battered. Um, and in the next story, uh, Seeds of Doom, it did collapse right at the end of the story on Sarah <laughs> on uh, Paul Liz Sladen's head, so um, it wasn't until the the following story that they actually got a new prop, Tardis prop. So, yes. but yeah, I really thought you know when it lands, it looks like it would collapse. I mean, like I wouldn't, I'd be scared to shut the door on it. Yeah, well, there's um right at the beginning, there's a scene where the Doctor's quite grumpy. He's playing yes. like a little <laughs> petulant child, and Sarah Jane wants to go off and explore, and he's got the hump about about being dragged to this planet. He thinks the Time mm. Lords have have grounded him again. So yeah. he's really grumpy, isn't he? And um, there's a bit where he looks over at the TARDIS and starts giving it a wipe with his scarf. 
That's right. And you think to yourself, you're going to need more than that, mate, to sort that out. Because <laughs> you're right, it looks completely just battered and bruised. So it's and, been repainted about a thousand times. And, <laughs> yeah. yeah, The sign's yeah. wonky on it as well. And it's just, yeah. <laughs> that's um, If there ever, ever was an example of, of budget restraints there, that's it right there for you. I just couldn't believe it that they were still using the original prop. I was thinking, surely not, because that's, what's this, 76? Oh, I suppose it's, you know, it's not actually as long as I thought, but it's still quite a long time, isn't it? Yeah. Well, in terms of trucking it around from studio to studio and a couple of outside shots and, and all that lot, they didn't really take that good care of the sets and props back then because if you look at any of the episodes up to, well, probably up to like the McCoy era, I would say. If you look at the, you know, when they do the, the TARDIS interior shots, mm. the walls, you know, they're meant to be like white aren't they like an or an off-white color and grays and stuff yeah um but they're all scuffed around the bottom and the paint job's not very good and it's chipped and buggered and yeah so they didn't, they didn't really take care of anything back there did they i think they probably just threw it on the back of a van <laughs> trucked it around and over time just got yeah no good. It. it does look like it's been through the wars, though, which is quite cool. I was just thinking in the series now, nowadays, you know, since the series come back, we've had quite a few different, you know, TARDIS uh, variations, haven't we? Mm. So they don't, you know, obviously it's got a bigger budget now. But yeah. anyway, yeah, getting back to what you're saying, yeah, atmosphere, brilliant mm -hmm. um, sets and that, dark and gloomy. Um, I suppose a little, yeah, they don't. They look a bit dated, I guess you could say. They are of their time. Yes. Um, but I think they work. I mean, I, like, I love Solon's... Um, what would you call it? We don't know if it's a castle or house or yeah, <laughs> laboratory, I, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, it just looks like a a reasonably side sized house for the <laughs> for the uh, the outgoing bachelor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, yeah, it does look like it has got like a has got like a castle vibe to it, and it looks kind of like um, what we mentioned earlier about this having like a hammer horror kind mm. of feel to it that the set that they use for his house or castle, whatever you want to call it. Um, it does look a bit grim and stuff, but it kind of adds to the whole mood of the, the story because you have like, it's always quite stormy out and it's got the whole fake lightning and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, but it is, it is weird. Does it look like, does it look like a bungalow or is it like a? I'm not sure. Well, I, think, I don't know. We don't see the. We don't see the much of the rooms. I do. I do love the little room downstairs where the the um, Morbius's brain is kept in that jar. Oh, it's lab. Like, yeah. It's a lab. Yeah, yeah, it's all very dark and grimy and yeah and, yeah. and horrible. But no, I think it is quite good. I think the sets look much better when they're in the dark because there's mm -hmm. there's one scene I think where Sarah Jane goes for a wander later. Yes, and it's daytime. And it's oh, yeah. really brightly yeah. lit, and it, oh, it doesn't look very good. <laughs> so I think, um, yeah, I think when they're in the dark, they they look a bit better, and it's definitely got a bit more uh, creepy atmosphere about it. Yeah, yeah, and they, have, you can tell that it was all inside as well, because at the beginning, when they they first land and then they go off on a wander after they, you know, after they discover that headless insectoid thing, the mutt. Is that is that what it's called? The mutt. The mutt. Oh, yeah. mutt. Yeah. Um, it starts to rain, doesn't it? And it's so funny because what they've oh. done is they've put this rain effect which goes across the front of the screen and then they just pretend. So they sh he's got like this battered old umbrella. Oh, yeah. She puts her coat over and they're not getting wet at all. They're bone dry. But the effect that they've done is they've put like this rain 
that goes across the front of the screen and you can tell it's at the front and then all the camera works behind it so it's um it's creative creative tv making at it's best really definitely i think i say actually do you think that's an ab lib you know when um when in Solon opens the door and they're stood there and like you said the rain's all pouring down he's got that umbrella and he says uh, could you spare a glass of water you think that's a bakerism <laughs> yeah it could, yeah it does sound like it he did have a habit of adding in these little one-liners there yeah. is some great little one-liners in this actually there's some nice little bits of humor just scattered about this four part especially from tom especially from tom yeah yeah because yeah. i think sarah jane tries to be a bit uh comedic at the beginning to try and pull him out of his mood mm. um but yeah, throughout the episode, he does come out with some nice little, um, especially when he's in the most dire of situations as well. Like um, they're just about to burn him, to burn him and stuff, and he's sorted out the flame. And uh, just before they're about to do that, the flame comes back on, doesn't it? And he says something like, oh, "It's just soot, you see, no charge." <laughs> yeah. Right, and just, he's calling Mar and Matron, Matron as well, doesn't yeah. he? Matron and. Yeah. Um, there's some nice subtle bits from Sarah Jane, actually. Mm. There's a bit when, um, you know, when Solon first sees Baker and he says, oh, what a magnificent head or whatever like that. And and then he <laughs> says, oh, really? I've had several. And there's an old grey model before this. And then Sarah Jane, no, he says some people use, some people liked it. Yeah. And Sarah Jane's like, I did. So, but it's really subtly done, really quiet. And, yeah. No, like it's little cool. Little moments like that. Yeah. Um, so story, pacing, really, really good. Atmosphere, mm. really, really good. Sets, um very bad but that makes it very good if that makes sense yeah i think i wrote um sets what did i say uh, a bit drab but kind of charming yes. in, their own, in their own way yeah um what did you think of the direction though because we said the atmosphere is good which it is yeah and this was directed by christopher barry who's, mm -hmm. who's a very well thought of director in who i will be honest and say uh, there are times and it's probably down to time restraint but I did find it a little bit flatly directed at times in terms of the way it was shot because the pacing's good. It moves along at a cracking little pace. Mm -hmm. But I don't know about you, um, but I did think there were bits of it where it was just a little bit shoot, point, and, and film. There's not a great deal of... Um, and it, as I say, it's probably down to the restraints at the time and what they had to use, like the sets. Do you know what I mean? I mean, he probably couldn't film it from, from another angle. But if you look at sort of... Um, I don't know. If you look at sort of Douglas Camperfield style of directing where right, it's, you right. know what i mean very low shots and he's trying different angles but this is very much sort of um a bit like a play uh, which is you know what Doctor was like at the time do you know what i mean sort of very much just cameras filming what's going on and it's all very much one shot and that yeah. sort of thing so i wasn't yeah that's the only and it is a very minor criticism if you like i just found it sometimes a little bit flatly directed yeah i do agree with you and i think that's because um uh chris barry was a he was a very traditional director because he goes way back. He directed um, the Daleks, William Hartnell. Yes. So he's yeah. very experienced, but he's like, I don't want to use the phrase, but he's, he's, he was an old school director. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean? He was, so he was, and it's, it's very much the, 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 his style of directing as well. Because if you look at, if you look at the demons, the Pertwee story, that has got, um, a reasonable amount of action going on mm. in that story. However, his you can tell that it's his direction because it's still got that same, um, yeah, like point and shoot, 
there's no crazy angles. There's nothing yeah. crazy going on. So he's definitely got a style which is very simple. It's very minimal kind of direction. It's like set the scene up and follow the actor. And, it, and the camera always seems to be at shoulder level as well. Yes. And eye level. And um, maybe that's just... Yeah, I mean, there is an, an argument to say that in some stories, that's all that that's all that's needed, because you don't want fancy direction to get in the way of good storytelling mm. um, and character progression and stuff. But I I do agree with you. I think this could have benefited from a little bit more of a um a, a bit more creativity, if you like, in in the direction. It would have been quite cool. I mean, the only the only sort of outside of the norm camera angles we had is like some of the sisterhood of Khan shots there's like these nice um sweeping shots where the camera's up quite high and you can see the group of what they're doing and then it comes down mm. a little bit and sweeps around but other than that there's not a great deal going on i mean the pacing's very good the way yeah. the, the way it was edited and stuff was all great and you know the pace is good but it does feel a little bit flat direction wise i do agree I I think you've hit that you you've you've hit the right word. You've hit the nail on the head there. It's traditionally traditional, yeah. It's not yeah. It, it hasn't got much flair to the direction. And as I say, it's not um I don't mean to criticize Christopher Barry because he was a good director. Um but yeah, I think you've summed it up perfectly there. It's very traditional in the way it's directed. Whereas uh, you know, when you've got like um the actual creature when he's going mad at the <laughs> end and stuff, yeah, you know, there's there's no sort of attempt made to sort of shoot it from below and make it you know look like it's coming at you sort of thing you know there's yeah. none of that it's just very much like you said shoot and point so yeah yeah, yeah. it's um, still good though still um, oh, still very good yeah no real complaints really um yeah so story-wise and stuff really just very enjoyable to watch if you've not and it's probably one of those stories that you could recommend to somebody that's not watched any classic who before it's probably one of those stories that you could recommend to get into, especially if they said, oh, I want to check out some Tom Baker classic Who. Mm. What do you recommend? Other than the usual ones that people say, like Genesis and Pyramids and stuff like that, I would quite happily recommend this one. It's a really good little isolated story. Um, Tom Baker, you know, like we said, we'll come on to, Tom Baker's really good. So story-wise, great. Really cool. Let's move on to casting. Mm. What did you think to the sisterhood? The sisterhood. I like the sisterhood. I really like Maren, the the lead. You know, the old oh, hag. Okay. I really like Maren. Um, when hack. I first watched this, the old <laughs> hag. When I first watched this, I, I don't know how old it would have been, but it was an old VHS copy, and they had. Um, it was like a condensed version. They'd cut half of it out. So okay. it was a bit bizarre. So I didn't actually get to see this properly until quite some time later. Um, and bizarrely, I f at the time, as I said, I would have been younger. So I found the, the sisterhood bits very boring as a sort of kid or teenager. Um, whereas now I really enjoy them because uh, I just love Mara. And I think she's very convincing as this old mystic crone. Do you know what I mean? I think <laughs> she gives a performance that I can really believe in. Um, and... Yeah, I mean, really, apart from the other woman whose name I don't know, the other one that we get to sort of has a few lines. We don't really get to sort of meet any of the other sisters, do we? They mostly just go, deaf, 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 deaf. There's but, one, um, isn't there? There's one of the younger there is sisters. one other one. She yeah. has a fair few lines, but I don't... Yeah, I thought she was the one that got killed, but it wasn't her. There was just someone else. But yeah. 
Does the makeup not remind you a lot of, you know, in um, Fires of Pompeii, uh, those guys that were in the, the, like... um, Oh, right, yeah, yeah. Does the makeup not remind you an awful lot of that or or not? Because I was thinking that yesterday. Um, Yes, it does. But I love the way they're all made up in the red and the cloaks and Mm -hmm. the gold and all that. It looks very good. Um, But yeah, out of the two that we get to see, I suppose the one that we can't remember a name, her acting is perhaps a little bit... um, Oh, the one who... Opens her eyes really wide, randomly, yes. randomly. Yeah, yeah. they I think don't. She's uh, good, but yeah. she's not. They don't actually give any other character names, do they? Mm. Other than like, um, what would you call her? Like the, the Grand High Witch, whatever her name is. What is it? What Marin? Marin. Yeah. So, what's her kind of status? You don't really. She's not, she's <laughs> not, not what she is. Yeah, which, but. All did the, you not like Marin? Did you not think she was really good? No, no, I thought she was very good. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. thought she was really good. She had this. Um, she had this. Uh, I, they did use a lot of makeup, didn't they, to age her a lot? Um, but she yeah. still had this, like old, old mind about her sort of thing. She played that very well. She had this. Uh, you could tell. I don't know whether she necessarily she was on her last legs, but you could tell that she she'd seen a bit of the world. Now it's funny you um, say that because I thought she might be because I know in this she does sacrifice herself because she's you know supposed to be really really old, isn't she? Um, and I th- I thought perhaps she was on her last legs as an actress, but no, because she's in the extras and um, she looks a well she looks old, but she looks younger than she does in the Brain of Morbius, which is quite bizarre. And it's not through surgery; it's not like one of these where you can tell <laughs> they can't move their face anymore. She just looks like a lady that's grown old very gracefully. Right, um, but right. yeah, I was surprised. I was thinking, oh, so maybe there was some very good makeup in that because she really does sort of come across as quite an old, yeah, person. She, she was made up quite heavily, mm. very wrinkly, and and all that jazz. But I love the difference between, you know, when she's with Tom and you get, she's sort of playing it very straight and angry and we are the sisterhood and I know what you're doing. And, yeah. and then Tom's just being the foolishly going, sorry, matron, what? And all that. And, <laughs> you know, he's really playing up to it and being comedic. And I, I really like that because she's just having none of it. Yeah, she's, um, he, she's yeah, she, you're right. She plays it very straight and very, um, very um, intense. Yeah. There's no messing about, you know. And the chemistry between her and Tom Baker is great because he's just like yeah. he's just like a carry on movie in comparison. You know, it's um, it's really good the uh, the chemistry. Yeah. Um. So I'd like to have known some of the character names for the other the other sisters, but um, yeah, they just don't really do a lot. Really, they just sort of chant a lot and follow each other around. And with the exception of that one that that's always looks like she's someone shining a light in her eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that, I, th- I thought they were, they played a good purpose. And um, that, that's another classic um, bunch of characters that have carried through quite well mm. to a, it's a new one. To newer who I didn't really think too much of, too much of them in the um, series nine finale. No. I found them a bit of a pointless include, but um, they were pretty good in the McGann mini-sode that went out online. Mm. They played quite an important role in uh, in the the Doctor's regeneration. Yeah, because I like the fact I did like it when we saw them again in the Magician's Apprentice when the yes. Doctor was yep. hiding out on Khan. Yeah, but yeah, I agree with you. When they came back um, in the Heaven Sent, was it Hell Bent? Hell Bent. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, they I don't know quite why they're included. Um, they seem really powerful in the brain of Morbius, though. Like in terms of they can, mm. they manage to kidnap the Doctor through tele. Is it telekinesis? No, not telekinesis. But they've got this power that they can actually move objects from one place to another, don't they? So they actually transport the Doctor and the TARDIS by the using TARDIS, mind yeah. power. Yeah, which is pretty nifty thing to be able to do. I would say. Yeah, which we don't see them doing the new series. Yeah, there is a word for it. It's not telekinesis, is it? Anyway, no. Um, they, but yeah, they do come across as a, a a small but very powerful bunch of bunch of gals. Because Solon's terrified when he actually stumbles into their lair, isn't they? Don't you <laughs> think that bit's hilarious? He's, like, <laughs> he's really like, oh, Mar and sorry, I, uh, you know, yeah. he's absolutely terrified of them, and I love that. Yeah, yeah, it's really cool. Um, and also the. I, I didn't really mind, you know, the the set that they used for the sisterhood. Yeah, um, I thought that was mostly good, but there's one, there's one prop that they must have. I don't know, you know the 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 thing that opens where they've got the elixir in and the, the flame. It's the big lock you're the, talking about, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> surely, surely they could have nipped down to whatever hardware store and paid a couple of quid to buy a proper lock. <laughs> come on because she puts the key in a hole mm. and it doesn't it's just and you could forgive it if that's all you saw but when she opens it out and the the, the thing the door opens whatever it is you can see that there's no lock on the other side so it's just a hole I know. it's like you could have bought a lock come on yeah, a I couple know, it's of one of those things you got overlooked <laughs> <laughs> um, I did have a little chuckle at that I must admit there are a few bits in this which I chuckle at, which probably aren't supposed to be funny. <laughs> um, to be fair, there are a couple of bits. It's a bit like the bit where the brain falls on the floor at the end, <laughs> which is, in a way, it's quite horrific, but it also <laughs> makes me laugh. I think it's just because it's going mad. And whenever that yeah. brain goes mad in this story, it cracks me up. Kind of reminds me of me when I'm in a bad mood. Like, she said you, didn't she? Yes, she did. It's like going mad. It's just this real, it's like a spoiled child in a jar. It's yeah, just yeah. brilliant. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's um, that's often the case, though, isn't it? With with classic Who, there's there's bits that you laugh at that the that wasn't intentionally funny, mm. but you've got to have a little chuckle. And that lock, well, it's not even a lock, is it? It's just a hole. It looks like a donut. Looks like a donut. You know, you just put a key in, and <laughs> she doesn't even like make the effort to make it seem like she's unlocking something. She just slowly puts it in and uh, and twists around an invisible thing. Yeah. And that's it. It's hilarious. But anyway. But there um, are some bits in this that are intentionally funny. Like Solon, despite being this mad nutter, he's got some really nice little, very subtle comic bits, isn't he? Like um, when he's talking to Kondo and that, he's like, go away. And he's just, there are bits where Solon's quite comical. And he's, there's almost a bit, I think it's in episode three or four, where he's quite full of himself and almost a bit like jovial isn't he do you know the yeah. bit i mean he's sort of um it's when he thinks he's sort of everything's going his way and he sort of turns from being very stressed and aggravated to being almost quite flippant like you know when he goes and talks to morbius in the jar and he's really yeah. full of himself and he? he's sort of making jokes and he's like sorry i couldn't resist and all uh, that and i yeah. love that when he's real sort of like confident and he's the wind totally gets knocked out of him <laughs> yeah. i think that's um the bit where he sends condor off to um to give the sisterhood a note to trap yeah. the doctor yeah he's just yeah he's his eggs are all in the basket it's, it's almost like he's had a few beers he's relaxed 
yeah. and um, nothing can spoil his mood, really. Nothing can stop me now. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you're right. He does have a few funny lines. Let's talk about those guys, actually. Mm. Uh, so, um, Solon and Kondo. Yeah. Um, Philip Maddock. Philip Maddock. Just plays that just brilliantly. I think he's absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. I, I love yeah. Philip Maddock in this. I think, if anything... Um, I think he steals the show. I absolutely love every minute that he's on screen. He's brilliant. Uh, yeah, he's absolutely brilliant. Yeah, he. Um, I don't know. I don't know what it is about him. He's just. He has this ability to. I think what you were saying a minute ago. He has this ability to make you laugh. Um, but not. I don't think that's the intent. Hmm. Because there's some cracking times where he's so horrible to Kondo. Oh, I know. You know, the way he just dismisses him all the time. And the way he does it, he just goes over the top with it. Mm. I think there's... Um, I can't remember word for word. I'm really sorry. Um, but instead of saying something like, um, you know, just just leave for a minute or, you know, you're annoying me, just leave. He goes on this like these little mini rants. Like yeah. um, you sort of... You, you, you unintelligent, stupid oaf of a creature and, you know, stuff like that. He just goes on these little mini rants and I think, you know, it, it's it's almost like you're cheering for Kondo to, you know, to stand up for himself at some point and he does at the end. He does, But yeah. he does put up with a lot of cussing. Mm. Like, it's not just a typical butler sort of thing like you're dismissed. He really does have, like, he really goes at him a few times, doesn't he? And he hasn't really done anything completely wrong. He's just not moving fast enough, or he hasn't said the right thing, or he hasn't, you know. It's a bit like when it's a bit like when your missus has got the hump, or your other half has got the hump, and you can't say the right thing, you know, yeah. at the time, and you, you're just like, oh, no, I, I don't know what to say here. I know I'm going to say the wrong thing. <laughs> yeah. It's almost like that relationship where you can't do anything right, really. And it's weird because Solon, you can tell he's frustrated a lot because he's waited around for donkey's years for like a human figure to mm. appear on Khan. He's yeah. just fed up with chopping up, you know, other sorts of, you know, alien beings and stuff. So when the doctor finally lands in his lap, he's, you know, he, he's ready to rock and roll. And Kondo's just, I, I don't know, it just cracks, like, the way that Kondo is as well, he's very, you know, the simpleton kind of nature. He's like... Very sort of Igor, isn't he? Yeah, he's, and I think they played that intentionally, didn't they, to give him like a... It's very much the Frankenstein and Igor thing, isn't it? Like yeah. The, the, the mad, crazy scientist and the and the simpleton, you know, trodden down uh, sidekick kind of thing. And um, mm. just the way that Solon speaks to him, it's just, it cracks me up. And I know it shouldn't. I know it's quite serious and, yeah. you know, we should be rooting for Kondo. But yeah, Philip Maddock, man, he just... He nailed this, absolutely. I agree. It's funny because, like you said, it's great when Kondo finally sticks up for himself because <laughs> Solon is so horrible to poor old Kondo, and yet Kondo clearly cares for him because there's a bit towards the middle where he's um, Solon's sort of going to go into Marin's lair or something, and Kondo's like, no, 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 you're, you know, bad, bad, um, you know, sisterhood will kill and all this. And yeah. so he clearly cares for Solon even though Solon treats him like dirt so when he finally does stand up to him at the end is it because he realizes he's got his arm or something Kondo's arm yeah because... yeah he finally snaps doesn't it and you kind of <laughs> like you said you're really rooting for Kondo yeah. um and um yeah and then he gets shot in quite a, a gruesome 
way, doesn't he? Poor old Condo gets blown to bits by that gun. Um, yeah, that's yeah, it's quite sad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's one of the scenes where you finally, you you kind of had your suspicions anyway, but mm. it's finally, you know, um, shown to us that Solon has absolutely no care or, or anything at all towards Condo. Mm. He's completely expendable. Mm. He doesn't care for him at all. Because um, he's already lopped his, he's already lied to him, hasn't he? And lopped his arm off, um, yeah. and lied to him, and really horrible to him. And then when he starts standing up for himself, he just shoots him. Um, <laughs> so you you do feel sorry for Condo, absolutely. And he takes a little bit of a shine, doesn't he, to Sarah Jane as well? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, which is quite sweet. And um, so it's quite a contradiction because he was ready to kill them both at the start. Yeah, um, yeah. It's interesting that Sarah Jane tips her wine away. You know, I always wonder sort of what what. Um, makes her suspicious because the doctor's you know down in it and he, he's, he's he's not uh, holding back and obviously gets knocked out and i really like that bit because i like the way she then pretends that she's actually been drugged when she hasn't all right yeah 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 that's clever hmm. but the yeah. good thing about condor is he's um he's sort of playing this eagle character which is so likable like yes. he's not over the top or or cringy or bad in the way he performs it uh, and he's like you said, he's under all this makeup and wig and stuff, which looks <laughs> horrific. But um, but he's a real likable character, isn't he? And well, well, sort of acted by who was it? Colin Fay. Colin Fay, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas Philip Maddock had been in Doctor a couple of times before, um, early on. I think he's in the War Games, and what's the other one he's in? Was it the Croton? No, um, no, isn't it? He's in a couple, isn't he? Oh, well, that's going to bug me. Yeah, he's in a couple, and yeah, and obviously I always think of him as being in the uh, Dalek Invasion Earth movie. Uh, he's in the um, two thousand twenty-one fifty AD, you know, at the end. Oh yeah, yeah. Gets blown to smithereens in that yeah. shed. So he's got a bit of a history with who. He's also in um, oh, there's another Tom Baker one, which is really rubbish. Well, not rubbish, but it's not one I particularly enjoyed. The Power of Kroll, I think it is. Right. Right. Um, which is a oh, drab story. So it's such a shame because, like you said, he gives such a brilliant performance in this. When he's uh, when he's in it later on, I almost feel sorry for him because he's given such a mediocre role compared to this brilliant character mm. of, of Solon in this. And he really, yeah, he, he grabs it by the horns and, and gives it everything, doesn't he? Yeah, he was in the yeah the Crotons and is the Crotons the War yeah. Games, yeah. Um, but he plays it fantastic. Though he's got this, yeah, like I think he just nails the whole evil crazy scientist and um um i think for the most part they could they could have written it fairly flat and just have him be like that all the time but there are times where he gets put under pressure from from morbius and he does seem to you know he does get quite emotional about stuff and you know he does uh he does have a chance to come out of just the typical evil cackling scientist role and play a bit of a you know, when he goes down into the lab and Morbius is absolutely going to town on him. <laughs> Love that. You bit. know, and he's trying to justify and explain why he can't just fix it. He has to do it the right way and, and all that stuff. So, yeah, Philip Maddock, really, really good. Really makes this this story come, Do you know what cracks life. me up about that bit? You know, you, you're saying about when he, he's trying to explain it. Yeah. Then they... Morbius thinks that um, he's been a fool, doesn't he? He's like, of course, they've tracked me down. They've come to get me. And then he tells him to get that that helmet that he's yeah. made. For the, and he's just got it lying around in a bin. <laughs> he just opens up the bin and pulls out this. Yeah. This, um, wow, it's a weird, it looks like a fishbowl with two rattles stuck to it, doesn't it? Yeah. 
Um, which I always used to think looked dreadful. I must admit, when I when I watched this, I used to think, oh, a bit like you were saying about the lock. Yeah, I used to think, oh no, that really lets it down. That they could have done better than that. But it's one of those things. Over time, I've just grown to kind of love it. Um, but yeah. it does look bad. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't look great, but it it kind of again has a sort of charm about it, and a, it's of the time. But it just cracks me up that he just gets it out of the bin. Yeah, it's not a very sterile working environment if you're going to be putting body parts in stuff it's no. been in the bin for god's sake yeah. Um, around, yeah so those guys yeah fantastic so morbius yeah. who thought that it was davros davros yes because doesn't it sound doesn't the voice of morbius before you actually see the brain in the jar yeah sound just like davros Especially when he's going crazy. Yeah. yeah, it does a bit. Yeah, when he's when he's losing it, it does sound a bit like angry Davros, yeah. Yeah. Um, but the guy who played the voice of um, uh, of Morbius, was it Michael? Michael Spice. Michael Spice. Uh, did a pretty good job. He had that same, very similar vibe to, to Davros, actually, where just losing his cool mm. every five minutes and bellowing at people and, and all that stuff. So played that pretty well, I thought. We don't actually get to see... Um, him, I'm I'm pretty sure it wasn't Michael Spice in the suit. No, it was Stuart Fell, oh, okay. the right. stunt guy who right. was in the in the monster suit. I think. Yeah. So we had two, we had two versions really, didn't we? We had the Morbius who was just the brain in the jar, hmm. who was, um, and I wouldn't have stood for that. No. If I was solid and I was getting this brain just barking orders at me and going completely nuts. Yeah, I'd have been. I would have shut that down pretty quick. <laughs> I'd have been like, "Look, I can push you off this table at any second, mate." So, yeah. so call it. And then we had the second version where he's actually the brains in the in the fishbowl, and uh, he's wandering around with the <laughs> with the the claw, the crab claw, and Condo's arm, and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, so did you? Yeah. So yeah. I mean, the Morbius lines I thought were. I thought were pretty good, and I think it was more a credit, really, to to Philip Maddox's ad- acting, really, that brought mm. that stuff to life. Because it must be difficult. Because I don't know if they did it on set, the the audio for Morbius. I'm not sure if they did that mm. as an effect on set, or if it was recorded afterwards, just audio. It sounds like it was played in live, but I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah. Either way, it would have been quite difficult for Philip Maddox to to try and get an emotional response from a fake brain in a jar. <laughs> so I thought that whole that whole scene in the lab and stuff was was really well done and he pl- again mm. that's just Philip Maddock he just plays it so well even when he's having an argument with a jar. I would know, not have been able to keep a straight face. Exactly, yeah, honestly. Really cool. Um and then the monster itself. Um oh what does Sarah describe it as because it's brilliant. Um oh yeah, uh Oh, I wrote this down. I'll have to find. I'll have to find it. The monster itself, the suit, butcher's leftovers. <laughs> butcher's leftovers. Yeah, um, the suit itself and the monster. I thought wasn't too bad, considering this was back in in the seventies. It wasn't too bad. It really was just the the plastic fishbowl. With yeah. the, I mean, like what, like you said, it it does have a charm about it now. Um, but it's just, yeah, it's got like these little fake wires and stuff and, <laughs> um, 
and, and the movement was very restricted as well. He couldn't really walk properly. He had to kind of go sideways, like wide stance, like, mm. well, you know, that kind of thing. And um, I thought it was pretty well done overall, that monster. I, I think it could have been, well, I don't know. It, uh, what would you have been able to have done with the budget? I mean, they got the, the crab claw on there and... And I think it's head. just the fishbowl. It's actually it's not the fishbowl. I think it's just the two eyes. It's that, the two rattles that protrude. Whatever they out. are, yeah, yeah. Because I think actually, in in some ways, you know, it might have been more effective if they'd have just had the brain in the jar. I think it is hmm. literally just those two eyes sticking out that make it look a bit comical, <laughs> if you like. Because when it's going mad without, you know, um, out of control, <laughs> it's it's not too bad. Uh, funny enough, one of the things I really like is when he's. When he's in the jar, you know, we've got and he's speaking. They got they got this sort of um, stretched out piece of skin or vocal cord or something. Oh yeah, you just sort yeah. of see flapping in the wind yeah. when he's going that, which is a real simple idea. But I actually think that's really there's something really eerie about that. Mm. I think I actually prefer that. Yeah, um, but yeah. I do think it's just the eyes that make it look a bit silly. Hmm. Yeah, personally, yeah. Um, I do wonder what the doctors. You know how he smokes. He puts that when they get trapped in the room at the end, and he sort of smokes them out. Um, that you know sends the vapor up to oh, knock the cyanide. Out the cyanide, yeah. yeah. I'm not sure of the logic of that plan because how did he know? Because for all he knew, how did he know that was going to bring Morbius down into the basement? Or I suppose I suppose that's, there wasn't really many options, maybe. But that's the only thing I thought. I thought, well, how does he know that's going to knock Solon out? but bring Morbius down. How did he even know that Morbius was not in pieces on the table? If you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, that's interesting thought. Hmm. Yeah. I know. Cause at the third first, I thought that's a good plan. And I was thinking, I'm not sure actually, cause there's so many ways that that plan could have failed. But I, like I said, I guess they didn't have many options and they're locked in true, a room. True. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and did you like the, the mental face off between, Morbius uh, yeah. and the Doctor. That was quite a cool scene where, because at this point, because when um, when Solon first inserts the brain into the creature's body in the fishbowl, mm. I don't think he's quite finished properly because he just runs around in his frantic sort of gurgling craziness. Yeah. Um, and it's not until later on in the story that I think he corrects it and then Morbius can speak properly and has got his wits about him. Oh, that's right. Um, yeah. And there's a bit where they have like a, like, I think the doctor describes it as Time Lord wrestling or something. It's like a mind. Um, like oh, yeah, a he does. That's right. Time Lord wrestling, mind bending conquest. Yeah, it's like thumb wars, but with like <laughs> like mind uh, powers. And um, we have those cool little flashbacks where the the previous doctor's faces have come through. Um, yes. As the doctor's kind of going through the motions, but then we see, quite interestingly, the all the different regeneration faces from Morbius as well. Well, yeah, this is this is what I assume because there's a lot of, you know, this has caused a bit of controversy over the years because people think that that's the Doctor. They're saying, well, okay, so once we get past William Hartnell, we see all these other faces, yeah. which are all actually they're all people behind the scenes in Doctor Who, aren't they? There's yeah. Um, yeah. Christopher Barry right at the end. Uh, Robert Bank Stewart's in there actually. We mentioned earlier. Oh yeah. Uh, Philip Hinchcliffe, Douglas Camfield. So there's all these people from behind the scenes. But yeah, a lot of people say you know what's that about because you know is this the doctor so wasn't william hartland the first doctor are these previous incarnations i've always just assumed that they're morbius they are yeah 
Yeah. 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 I, I never quite understand why that's, you know, become such a big thing over the years. But there might be a reason for it. Somebody out there might want to write in and slam us down. But, yeah, I've just assumed it's it's Morbius that we see, not, not the Doctor. Because we do see his sculpt up in Solon's um, front room, <laughs> don't we? We see that brilliant sculpt of Morbius's head. Yeah. So we know what he looks like. Um, so, yeah, I just assume it's Morbius. Yeah. I think it is, because I think during that mind battle as well, doesn't Morbius say something like, how long have you lived, Doctor? How many? Or something. So I think it's like a battle of... It's not made exactly clear how that works, is it? But yeah, we get the gist, I suppose. Yeah, but I think it's... I'm 99% sure all those faces that we see are Morbius's previous incarnations. Because he was a Time Lord. He, well, he was a, yeah. He was. I think he was a Time Lord in the High Council or something. I'm just looking. Actually, it might have been. I'm just looking on Wikipedia because it does say on there that the the these are followed by eight previously unseen faces intended to represent incarnations preceding the first Doctor. So maybe in the script, it was sort of written that these were the Doctor. But I think, um, yeah, if you want to get round that, you could just say they were Morbius. <laughs> Yeah, I think so that I think that's a better way as well because if that's the case, why didn't the? Because otherwise, it creates like an invisible wall. Because why wouldn't why wouldn't the Doctor know about his previous incarnations before William Hartnell? Yeah, and why wouldn't exactly, he use yeah. them in that mind battle? You know, so I think it makes more sense for those to be Morbius's previous faces. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure there's thousands of Who fans that are. <laughs> that will argue about that for quite a long time. But um, yeah, I, I would say for the story, um, it makes more sense for them to be Morbius. Why has he got yeah. one of those mind-bending battle machines just lying around? Well, you never <laughs> it's you very never convenient know. that it's just there. You never know when you need one. Well, I suppose so. Must get one of those. Yeah, look, good. Mm. Uh, okay, let's... Um, oh, yeah, and just... Um, you know, we were talking about things that are just charming but are awful. Yeah. The scene at the end where the Sisterhood of Khan are chasing the monster out onto the cliffs and stuff. It's mm. <laughs> a really funny bit where you can tell that he's going to fall over the cliff. You can see that coming. Um, and the the stunt guy who, who does it, it's not his fault, but the stunt guy, who was it? Um, Stuart Fell. Stuart Fell. Um, he tumbles off the cliff and then bumps into the camera. <laughs> yes so you can see tell, the claw come up <laughs> yeah you can tell that he's he's dived off only about four foot and then when the the camera cuts and it's the sisterhood of khan's point of view it's like a thousand foot chasm you know <laughs> that it's like an old bugs bunny kind of cartoon thing where his body's just <laughs> yeah. disappearing slowly um yeah they they probably should have reshot um the bit where he stumbles off because he kind of bumps next to the camera and you see his claw come up so he's only there you know, and, but when it cuts, he's like, you know, like miles know. up. So yeah, that, there's a yeah. few little bits, isn't there, in this like that. Like you said, you sort of think that kind of show the constraints <laughs> they were under at the time. Yeah, I, yeah. so I, I did have a little chuckle at that bit, I'll be honest. Mm. That was quite cool. Um, right, The Doctor and Sarah Jane. The Doctor and Sarah Jane. Um, Tom Baker probably at one of his best, I would say. Yes, I would agree with you. Yeah, I was going to say, I think Tom's firing on all cylinders yeah. at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah I really do. Um, and I, I, I love the pairing uh, of 
the Doctor and Sarah Jane. I think they just work off each other nicely. Um, yeah, no, I think Tom's on fine form in this. Really, really good. Great with the one-liners. Yep. Great when it needs to be serious. Yep, can't fault his Doctor at all at this point. Yeah. yeah, And same for Sarah Jane. I think she's really cool. I think she's, like you mentioned earlier about the blindness, um, yep. I think she's quite convincing that she's blind. And I do love how Solon is so devious <laughs> to tell her that <laughs> so awful of him says to the doctor, no, no chance. No, she's never <laughs> going to see again, yeah. knowing full well that she will. Um, that effect of the ring when she gets blinded, you oh, know, right. we we're saying yeah. about the budget constraints and, and effects. Yeah. It's very, very simple, but quite effective. Hmm. I actually really quite like that. I think it's because it's slowed down. I think it's really, really good little moment. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, yep. But yeah, Sarah Jane, Tom Baker, um, Liz Sladen, the Doctor. Fantastic. Just, I just love them in this, yeah. Yeah, it's a good pairing. And I think yeah. um, I, I like the way that we have uh, a few different um, emotional states from those as well. Mm-hmm. It's, it's quite comical at the beginning when they first land on Khan, you've got the Doctor who's clearly very miffed that he thinks the Time Lords have, you know, grounded him. Mm. Um, And then you've got Sarah Jane, who's not really bothered about that. She just wants to go and explore and stuff. And he's just sitting there on the rock. He's like a little kid and he's playing with his yo And she even says to him, you know, you're going to come and look around. He's like, no. (laughs) He, He plays that so well. And then moments later, we're into like detective mode straight away when they find, um, the mutt. That's right, isn't it? The mutt. Yeah, the mutt beheaded. Yep. And then as we get on through the story and we find Solon and Kondo and the sisterhood, the doctor goes from these really cool little serious moments to these brilliant little funny one-liners. Um, and then you've got Sarah Jane who is, because there are a couple of, well, there are a few Doctor Who stories where she doesn't really do a lot. Mm. There are some stories where she follows a doctor around, she has a few screams, but she doesn't really do a great deal but i thought in this one she has a bit more to do yeah so and she plays the blind bits really really well because i think you have to be fairly good to play a blind character it's not as easy as it looks no Um, i agree yeah so she does that really well and then um and and just the overall i mean i really like the the john pertwee and um liz sladen coupling i thought they were very good but there's something about um the fourth doctor and sarah jane they've got a cool chemistry yeah um yeah so the pair of them just absolutely brilliant in this one i agree with you mate there is something and i i've watched this a few times uh over the years there is something um at the end which i've never ever noticed before which is really bizarre and i only noticed it because it mentioned it in the production subtitles which i had on at the time right and that is that the tardis uh disappears like a in a flash like a firework yes it does which yeah which is really odd we don't see it um, again we never see it again no but it's that kind of a reference because he sort of says light the touch paper and go or something and then the tardis go it's odd i've just never ever noticed that before which is really weird yeah it's, it's strange i mean i know when i first watched this um story I noticed it, but didn't think anything of it. Yeah, I think I've just overlooked it before now. Just not, not sort of thought anything of it. It's only because, like I said, the production notes were on. I thought, does it? Don't remember that. And then, yeah, it does. It's, it's a weird thing. I think it's just a little in-joke, isn't it, that they kind of threw in that things that nowadays, if they did, people would, you know, fill forums discussing. But back then, they kind of were very... Yeah. Things like that didn't really matter so much, did it? It was a bit like the thing we were saying about the Doctor with the faces and they didn't sort of worry too much about these little 
details mm. back then mm. um, or weren't as worried about it. Like I said, nowadays, everything is analysed so, so much that, you know, a bit like the TARDIS landing in the rainbow that we mentioned a couple of weeks ago. Like people will say, well, what, why? You know, what, what is that? What? So, but it's just a fun little thing that I noticed at the end, which I've never really thought of before. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, like I said, I'd never even thought about it. I just assumed that... Um, different materializations and dematerialize i think i think i was just expecting to see them just pop up like that throughout classic who but we don't see mm. that again <laughs> so it must be like a little in joke like you say but it's quite cool though it's um it's certainly better than the rainbow materialization it's definitely better than the yeah. rainbow yeah yeah <laughs> um and did you find any um uh, did you find anything in this particularly um risque in terms of gruesome stuff or anything like that there's an uh, interesting fact that went on at the time mm. um so when this first went out um uh, a lady called mary whitehouse yes you know that name yeah oh i do she complained mm. um saying that uh this story contains some of the sickest and most horrific material Ooh. seen on children's television and uh i well i suppose for back then there might have been a few bits um yeah mary whitehouse you know criticized a lot of doctor who back in the day yeah um yeah i don't know i, I just note i mean in my notes that i did write that episode three they do ramp up the what did i put they do ramp up the horror element yeah so you get a lot of the brain goo and things like that, mm -hmm. um, brain on the floor, slime. You get Kondo being shot towards the end of the story where you see blood and there's a great big hole in his gut. And <laughs> I suppose maybe for the time it was a bit shocking. It's because the overall tone is quite dark, isn't it? Yeah. For, yeah. for Doctor Who, we're going into the Hinchcliffe era um, when Doctor Who did go into that sort of more hammer horror. So I can, um, I can imagine Mary Whitehouse being appalled by it. I don't think it went too far, but I can see where she might have been coming from at the time. Yeah. Uh, apparently she was mainly concerned with the scene where Solon shoots Kondo, resulting, yeah. resulting with a big spurt of blood. It is. I mean, it's a, there's no, yeah, there's no two ways about it. You, you see it, they're all on screen. He does get shot quite horrifically. Um, yeah. But yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't think it's bad, but... Yeah, and I think um, I think the VHS version that you saw was a because they put it out on TV again but, um, oh, in yeah. December into a condensed one hour long kind of omnibus thing. That's it. So yeah. that might have been what you saw on on video. Yeah, apparently yeah. Christopher Barry was really unhappy about that because yeah. Philip Hinchcliffe did the editing when they when they cut it down for an hour, and, Chris, and Christopher Barry said, "Oh, do you want me to?" You know, I don't mind being a consultation on it to help you. And apparently, he didn't want him to, um, and he was really unhappy with how it was re-edited. Apparently, okay. but uh, I can't see. I mean, there's not much in it. If I was editing this, we said earlier it moves along at a good pace. I don't think there's anything I would particularly cut out or thinks needs. You know, there's not a point in the story where I'm sort of sat there thinking, "Oh God, this is this is padding or this is boring." I think that everything is in there for a reason because. Yeah, we got yep. quite a sort of a fairly sort of simple story, but lots going on in that story. So yeah, yeah, yes. And before we get on to scores, something that might be quite cool to try and pick up mm. um, if we can still get it. Um, 
the Target novelization, ah. written by Terence Dix, um, was actually released as um, uh, an unabridged um, audio uh, book um, by Tom Baker. Read, read by Tom Baker, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so um, I might see if I can get that from somewhere. I imagine you can still pick it up, can't you, from BBC or Amazon or something? Yeah, I think a lot of them, when, who did they used to be with? The company went bust and then another company took over not that long ago okay. and they started reissuing a lot of them. Um, yeah. I should think you'd be able to pick that up. I bet that's really good, actually, read by Tom. I was going to say, I, I don't normally, yeah, I don't normally go in for too many of those, but I think this one would be a really good one, read by Tom. Yeah. Yeah. Have a look. Right, scores, my good fellow. Scores. Whose turn is it to go first? Uh, I think it's me. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give this a nine out of ten. A nine out of ten. Okay. I've gone ever so slightly lower with an eight point five. Okay. Um, an eight point five. Yeah. I just I thoroughly enjoy it, and I think Philip Maddock is superb. Yes. Um, I always think there's more of him and Tom together for some reason. Whenever I watch this, I always because I love it when they are together. I love the interaction between Tom and Philip. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's great. But yeah. 8.5 out of me, but a really, really good, really good, enjoyable story, I think. Okay, cool. Yeah, um, for me, it has all the ingredients, really, that make up a, a great classic Who story. There isn't much to dislike about it. It's a bit, um, it's a bit like odd moments where you just have a little chuckle yeah. at the production and stuff like that, and a couple of bits could have been, I think a couple of bits could have easily been fixed with a, a couple of reshoots or a couple of little bits, you know, but I understand that that's not always possible making mm. a TV show of this type back in the day. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, all the cast are really, really good. Tom's brilliant. Sarah Jane's great. Yeah. Just nothing really to dislike. It's a great, great story. Love it. Mm. Love it. Love it. What did you guys think? Uh, I'm going to go to Twitter first. Uh, George Garrity. Um, at G underscore unit 91 says, uh, wow, this is one of my favourites. Um, I love the horror style in which it's filmed and it works brilliantly with Morbius's Frankenstein-like body. Uh, the characters are great, especially the titular villain. Uh, 10 out of 10, one of my faves. 10 out of 10. Yeah. Um, and also uh, Fusion Patrol podcast. Um, Twitter name at Fusion Patrol. Uh, they just say, Brain of Morbius, a classic uh, I love the talking brain in the jar. <laughs> uh, over on Facebook, um, Kai McNamee. Oh, Kai. Nice to have you back commenting, Kai. Uh, he says, The brain of Morbius is one of the many jewels to come out of the Hinchcliffe Holmes era of Doctor Who, an inventive story that takes a classic tale of Frankenstein and does something new with it that only Doctor Who can do. Um Replete with the trademark balance of humour and horror that peppers the stories in season 13, delivered brilliantly by the regulars and a stellar uh, supporting cast alike. Accompanied by splendid set and costume designs and Dudley Simpson's chilling incidental music, undoubtedly mm. a 10 out of 10. Yes. Thank you, Kai. Uh, Bradley Knox. Uh, Love this episode. Uh, the second Tom Baker I watched. Uh, the Doctor and Sarah work so well together. And who doesn't love a brain in the jar? Um, eight out of ten i've always said i wanted a brain in the jar next to my bed one day i'll get one one day <laughs> i don't know why i just love that I'd love to have that brain next to my bed as a light we could do a mashup we could do the brain in the glass dalek set from revelation oh, sure that would be awesome anyways uh let's do some audio stuff this is jay kent 
Hey, Gary and Adam, hope you're well. Now, pitch me the idea of the cliché brain in a jar being a threatening villain to work in Doctor Who. I'd have thought you were mad, but the brain of Morbius takes the idea and runs with it perfectly. <laughs> Not only do we have the brilliant narrative of Morbius's resurrection, but we also have an equally brilliant side plot of the sisterhood of Khan and Ludo's arm and his relationship with the sciencey bloke, his name escapes me. No, but the one thing I love about this episode is that it also uses a sciencey wyancy way of getting out of trouble by mixing chemicals and making that cause a reaction and things, which I want to see more of in you who I really miss that element to Doctor Who. But needless to say, I love this episode and I can't give it any more than a 9 out of 10. But seeing as this is one of my favourite Fourth Doctor episodes, I can't be any more biased. More, more bias, more bias. Ah, oh, never mind me. Anyway, enjoy the rest of the show. Hope you're all right. And, uh, yes. <laughs> I think that's a, a good review there from Jay. It is. I love what Jay says about the Doctor using chemical, you know, using his brain to get out of situations as well. I totally agree. I want to see more of that as well. Because I, I love it when the Doctor has to improvise with the tools around him rather than just using a sonic to open the door. So I'm with you there, Jay. Do you know what? That's a good point. Mm. I do miss that about classic coup. There's not enough reversing of the polarity these days and all that stuff, is there? Yeah. No, I just love to see the doctor using his brain, just because he's a, you know, he's clever. Yeah, using tools and his brain, and not not relying on a companion or a sonic to do the stuff. Yeah. Mm. Nice one, Jay. Uh, back onto Facebook, Sammy Satine. Uh, so the Sisterhood of Khan. Um, have this sacred flame and the doctor decides to help them by giving them what appears to be matches and that somehow fixes it <laughs> meanwhile uh, Mahandri Solon is the servitude of Morbius um, some evil time lord who apparently executed except his brain still works and he is using Mahandri Solon to get himself a new body and a head the weird body he gets seems to resemble some sort of hairy slightly yellow creature with one human arm and one arm claw uh, what I don't understand is how the Time Lords didn't see the brain was still working and or around and when working and working when Morbius was executed and why it took them so long to find out he was still around. Mm. I always enjoy seeing the Sisterhood of Khan, though I don't approve of them trying to sacrifice the Doctor. I enjoyed this story, though. I was sad there was no jelly babies to be seen. No. Sarah Jane Smith is just awesome as per usual, as is Tom Baker. A solid episode, 8 out of 10. 8 out of 10. Okay. Cheers, Sammy. Uh, ben Smith says, it's uh, by my two favourite writers, and of course I'm going to love it. Uh, a typical Hinchcliffe story, and it's very dark and horror-inspired. All of the characters are great uh, and brought to life wonderfully by the cast. Morbius is a fantastic monster, and the music really adds to the atmosphere. Easily one of the best Baker stories, 10 out of 10. Yeah, I do love Dougie's music. Dougie. Dougie Campbell. Uh, no, no, not Dougie Campbell. No, That's not, a director. It? What's he called? <laughs> Who do I mean? Dudley Simpson. That's the one. <laughs> Dudley. Right. Ben's. Uh, no, sorry, George Coppin. Uh, really love this episode. I might actually give it a rewatch soon. Love Khan and the Sisterhood. The evil professor, can't remember the actor's name, is brilliant. Really good dark story, 9 out of 10. And lastly, Lewis Palmer. He says in capitals at the beginning, masterpiece. I've watched this a lot. It is so incredibly enjoyable with a lovely Frankenstein influence. I'll have to rewatch this one to see the Sisterhood of Khan again after their recent return. One nitpick would be that the Sarah Jane plot about her being blinded felt very drawn out. Uh, easily for me, a 9.5 out of 10. Even a sponge has more life than I. 
<laughs> from Morbius himself. Yeah. Anything over on the Geek's Handbag, buddy? Geek's Handbag, yeah. Well, I'm going to start with a shocking tweet. Um, I, <laughs> a shocking tweet. A shocking tweet. Because um, this was one of the first things I got when I put it on, on Twitter. Um, I'm just waiting for my phone to load. So this was from John P. Okay. And um, basically when I put it on, sorry, I'm struggling to find it now. Here we go. Right. He says it's got to be my least favorite Tom Baker story. So best of luck watching that, he says. Oh. John. Whoa. What am I seeing that you're not seeing? Because mm. we love it. So, yeah, John P., not so impressed. Thankfully, on Geek's Handbag, on the Facebook page, we had a couple more um, positive reviews. And I do apologize that my phone's being really slow to load. <laughs> Here we go. Right, Jace from the 500-Year Diary says, an absolute classic, very gothic, and could easily have been made by Hammer. Yeah, I think mm -hmm. Peter Cushion was, was actually thought of to be Solon at one point. I think they were going to cast him. Yeah. And Adam Tynelord Fishwick says it's one of his favourite stories ever. Ah. So a bit more positive. But yeah, I am surprised. I very rarely hear anybody who doesn't like this one. So a little bit surprised by John P. Mm. But it's good to have a balanced review. So thanks very much for your comments. Yep. Anything on the Geek's Handbag Facebook page at all? Oh no, that was the Geek Sambo Facebook page. Yeah. Oh, sorry, mate. Yeah, sorry. It's only John P on Twitter. Oh, very sorry, very sorry. Um, right, so I would say overall, then um, everyone seems to love Brain of Morbius. Yeah, I think it's a blooming classic, and, I, and I'm, it's very fitting to do such a great story for Tom Baker's birthday week as well. Yes, and yep. unplanned as well. I, like yeah. you, I was quite pleased when I realised we were doing a baker this week. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Uh, what are we going to review next week, my good man? Oh, next week. Well, we're diving back into the slightly more modern era, um, going for an Eccleston, and it's going to be Dalek that we review next week. Uh -huh. Yeah. I'm so. looking forward to that, you know. I don't. The last time we did an Eccleston story was back in August last year, which was Boomtown. Oh, right. Wow. Yeah. Yes, I'm looking forward to seeing that as well. I haven't watched it for a while, so we'll be good to go through that one with you. Yeah. So, anyways, that's going to do it for episode 74. So, Brain of Morbius, a 9 for me and an 8.5 from you. Yeah. I think we're good. So thank you very, very much for sticking with us for this. We've gone through some some pretty cool news items today. Yeah. And uh, we've uh, reviewed one of the one of the shining lights out of the classic Tom Baker era. Um, I mean they're all they're all pretty good. The Tom Baker stuff, but I think this one, I don't know, it yeah, it's just one of the brilliant, brilliantly when everything comes together. It does stand out for me, yeah. I yep. think, especially because of Philip Maddock, I think he just yeah. is so enjoyable to watch. Yeah. yeah. And thank you also for, as always, sending in your uh, audio clips and Facebook thoughts and Twitter and all that stuff. Please continue to do so because that stuff is um, awesome. And we love uh, seeing what you guys think about stuff because, um, like you say, we need some balance in the review and stuff. We like hearing everybody's thoughts, good or bad. Mm. Yes. So check out the website, bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk. 
you can listen to you can re-listen to this and you can listen to all the previous shows as well and you can also jump off from there to go and find us on facebook and twitter and all that stuff um, also check out adam's channel the geeks handbag over on youtube and facebook yep got a little convention vid coming up this weekend oh yeah is this the peterborough this is the yeah tv and movie fest uh peterborough yeah, uh, where i met the governor peter davison so yeah <laughs> that should all being well should be out this weekend yay good times uh for those of you listening on itunes or anything to do with um apple um if you could jump on there and give us a review um that would be amazing because that really really does help us so much and we thank you a lot for that uh but anyway next week um get watching the Eccleston stuff uh, we need to review Dalek so we're looking forward to your thoughts on that mm. um, until then though have a fantastic week and we'll see you soon my name's Gary my name's Adam and remember uh, uh, Lonzy. Lonzy.